0: Hello, I'm Ben Highton. This guy right here, go on, mm-hmm. say your name. Really? Why
1: not? All right, Alex Blardy.
0: Yeah, me. good, good energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not doing a standard episode today. We're doing kind of a bonus, I think. Although we, we we've watched two films, I think if our regular 1988 episode was two A movies, then we've definitely done two B movies for this uh... one. But I would say Deadly Pursuit was an A release. Yeah,
1: for sure, an A release. It was. It was
0: quite a big budget movie at the time. Actually. Yeah, it's for sure an A release. So I, I had, yeah. um, it was released in America's Shoot to Kill. It was released over here as Deadly Pursuit. It's a Tom Berenger, Sydney Poitier action movie directed by Roger Spotswood. One of those films that we rented multiple times when it came out because that's what you did. If you couldn't find something in a video yeah. store that you wanted to rent, you rented something that you'd seen, that you liked. Yeah. Um, so I had fond memories of this film, but hadn't seen it in probably a decade. <clears throat> Alex, you dug up something that neither of us had ever heard of.
1: A proper, proper forgotten film. Absolutely. I defy anyone to try and find it. I managed to track down through American Family a DVD from an obscure video store of this. A Bill Paxton movie, where Bill Paxton is the top billing. And it means a lot for the ornithology to try and do that. Anyone else able to get hold of this and see it, that's, that's great. It's a movie called Pass the Ammo. I don't recognize any of the people who
0: made it. No, the filmmaker, the filmmaker never went to Golan to do anything else particularly. But the cast did. Well, I made exactly one note during this film, Alex. Really? And I, I will uh, read it to you okay. in full, verbatim, as, the, as posh people say. The one note I wrote was, Tim Curry, Linda Kozlowski, Annie Potts, Brian Thompson. I did not feel the need to write any more notes past the opening credits. Right. Brian Thompson's come up a couple of times. He's the big-jawed X-Files, X-files he guy. He is. Tim Curry has as well. Tim Curry uh, is legend. a legend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Linda Kozlowski, what's she famous for? I don't remember. Crocodile Dundee. Uh, really, I don't remember. Yeah. Very good-looking woman. Annie Potts, what's she famous for? Don't remember. Okay, I'm going to do an impression. All right. I'm not going to be able to do her voice, but you know what her voice sounds like from this film. We got one!
1: Oh, Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, she's the receptionist
1: in Ghostbusters. She's the receptionist in Ghostbusters. That was good. Thanks. Good, we should play a bit more of that game. Should we? Yeah, like one or two word impressions, and you've got to guess who it is.
0: Oh, right now? If you want to. I'm good at one word impressions. Yeah, okay. All right, you ready? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's, is it
1: someone doing Al Pacino, but it isn't actually Al Pacino? No,
0: Al Pacino would be, oh! Oh, yeah, you're right. So it's, go back. Oh.
1: <laughs> I think I got it, but I don't, you know? Like, I know I should know it.
0: That's my Robin Williams impression. Oh, totally. It's totally Rob Williams. How about this one? Oh! <laughs> I don't know. That's McKellen.
1: Is it Ian McAllen? <laughs> that's quite good. Okay, I got one for you. I got good. one for you. It's one word. Well, kind of one word. You're all right, huh? You're all right. No, ah, that's bloody danger field. Fucked it up. But you get it. It's too easy. Too easy if you do like a catchphrase that they that they're known for.
0: Yeah, that's why I just do noises. Cool. Look, I, I'm 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 willing to to be, to be talked around on this. I honestly don't really feel the need to say very much about Pass the Ammo at all. Well, no one's going to see it anyway. I did not. It. Yeah, it's it's completely unavailable in this country, but I did not like anything about this film. That's very surprising to me. How, like, we're having almost,
1: almost exact opposite reactions to, like, if you listen a couple episodes back, I can't remember what year it is. 86. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. The Wraith. The Wraith, yeah. Yeah. You love The Wraith. One of the favourite films that we've watched so far this year. Right. I think this might be for me. And I hated The rest. What? Yeah. I had a lot of fun watching this. I thought it was totally ridiculous. And I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, you're going to have to explain that to me, buddy. I, I don't
1: know how. I can like, sit I'm...
0: back for the next 10 minutes and just let you
1: monologue if you like. I don't really want to because I can't defend the movie as being anything good at all. But structurally, I thought it was better, much better than The Wraith. There was a lot more to it. I didn't feel like it was all over the place. I thought that it had a structure to it. I thought that Bill Paxton held his own. I felt like it was trying to make a point. I thought it was quite funny. Although I didn't laugh out loud once, I was smiling. It's a completely bonkers film. I just, I enjoyed it throughout. It's not easy to follow. I didn't make loads of notes, but I just had fun watching it. It's oh, not man. a film that took itself seriously in any
0: way, because this isn't a long film either. It's under no. ninety minutes. Yeah, I couldn't wait for it to end. I was wow. so bored, and I think the problem for me mainly is, regardless of you know whether I found it funny or whatever, that doesn't yeah. really matter. It's breaking off some pretty big themes about televangelists. It evangelists is evangelists in general. Yeah. Um, You know, media, you Mm. know, trial by media, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And corruption, systemic corruption. But I didn't really find that it had anything to say about any of those things. No, not really. Other than the church likes to be rich. Yeah, not really, no. And the saving grace is that
1: it's not trying too hard. It's trying to be funny about it. It It isn't trying to hit hard on those points. They're there. It's the premise. It's the conceit, if you want. Mm. And they, I don't think they're trying very hard to, like, say, let's make a massive point about this. It's, again, it's savings grace is that it's totally ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. No, not, it's anarchic, for sure. Huh? Yeah,
0: it's anarchic. It's anarchic.
1: And not in the same way that, like, something like we reviewed earlier this season, that Top Secret is surreal, right? Y- yes. It doesn't go, it is almost surreal, but not. It's a play. It's a parody. It's a play.
0: It's yeah, yeah, I think it's aiming for, well, this might be unfair on my part. On. I thought it was aiming for a level of satire.
1: Yes, I think so. Where it's
0: probably more of a farce, an anarchic farce. I
1: agree. And I think that's the where the tone is. It's, it's missed. But the main character that, that basically tells you, no, actually, we were going for satire is Tim Curry, for sure. Very satirical portrayal of evangelist priest and the sheriff, who by far is my favorite character,
0: he was good actually, yeah, yeah, he was all right
1: with without him, this is pretty pretty nothing he for some reason, he just held it together every time he's on screen, every time his character's speaking, I'd believe him, he pulls it together in a way that's like just sets the tone perfectly that keeps it okay now, I don't feel strongly enough about this film to try and defend it at all because I I see it as shit. I don't. I can't sit there and go, "Oh, this is a great film." You know. No,
0: I will say it's it's a yeah. different kind of bad movie to The Wraith.
1: For but sure. You said
0: this this is this is a proper three act yeah structure.
1: But, <laughs> for some reason, this is more my kind of bad movie than The Wraith was. Okay. I couldn't how, get on board. How, how much of that Raith. is
0: the Paxton factor? though?
1: How much? A, a lot of it's the Paxton factor, which leads me to a new feature, Ben. Yeah. Da-da, 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 da-da. It's a terrible jingle.
0: Superman.
1: Superman. It's the, Heaton, Faxter. Right. Which part would you play, Ben? Which part do we we put Ben Heaton into this movie?
0: Oh, the oh, um, probably the guy who falls in love with the angel. Totally. That's you. Yeah. Or the fat dude with the shotgun.
1: Do you want to recast me? Or The fat guy with the shotgun. Recast me.
0: Um, I think you could be the guy that gets shot in the van <laughs> at, the, at the very beginning. <laughs> this character, he' just like he's supposed to be the
1: inside man helping them do this deal. I'll just say the plot really quickly, actually, please. yeah. A evangelist played by Tim Curry and his wife, Annie Potts. they are basically embezzling money by people making donations to this church that they keep claiming they're going to help the poor and the needy around the world. And they are being bankrolled by a bunch of rich dudes who provide everything, the TV station, the church, the the satellite feed, everything, to keep the channel going. It surfaces that Bill Paxton and his girlfriend, Linda Klozlovsky, her mother, when she died, was conned into giving the church $50,000. Bill Paxton's pissed off about this. He's a small-time criminal. He wants to get the money back uh, for whatever, out of loyalty, duty, whatever, to his girlfriend. She wants Well, I think to- it's
0: actually that he wants her to have a better life. Uh, totally that. She's, she's totally got- happy with her life. Yeah, but she's he's happy. Like,
1: she's got a little farm. I want you to be a princess. That's right. She's like, marry me, stay here and be on the farm with me. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, I want to get your money back. In terms of character motivation it's a mess. Everyone's just like a stereotype of their roles and it's it's they're all played to an extreme. It goes completely nuts. Like it gets it keeps escalating getting worse. They don't manage to steal the money in the first instance. It looks like a quick in and out job, but it just escalates and it gets worse and worse and worse.
0: Well, they they come pretty close actually, to, to, to getting away with it, and they go through the wrong door and they end up on live TV with the tele-evangelists, guns drawn, holding the entire audience hostage. The first
1: yeah. act is the setup, second act is a hostage situation, third act is some militia. So the whole thing's all out,
0: fucking. Yeah,
1: the, nuts. The whole, the whole thing's televised, act. that's the whole point. And the weirdest thing about this that I think you've got to just sort of put aside, is again, character motivation. It makes no fucking sense that and we find we do find out later why bill Paxson is so happy that they're suddenly on stage holding an entire audience of like a thousand people hostage and he's like you know cool put the cameras on me i don't care and i'm gonna like tell the truth about everything that's going on here and you learn about the embezzling and stuff as you go along it sort of makes it hard to believe that they would be doing this and why they're doing this it's a totally insane plan it doesn't work but because it's a comedy it's like you're not i don't think you're supposed to really care or give a shit it's not that funny it just ended up being interesting and i think if it were not for tim curry and bill paxton i don't i think my interest would have been minimal if not zero and and the sheriff as well whoever he is never seen him but i just no. loved his character i love the way he
0: spoke he had sort of a creole accent didn't he
1: yeah it it's like when um, bill paxton and kozlovsky get married the sheriff's just like don't that nice? That's what he says. Ah, don't that nice. I love dad that. Dad nice. Don't that nice. It is a kind of Creole accent, and I just love, I love that aspect
0: of it. But that's He's just not that weird, like yeah. because those sort of five names: Paxton, Kozlovsky, Curry, Annie Potts, and Brian Thompson. Yeah, all Right, to varying degrees. But certainly Paxton and Curry are two actors I love. Yeah. I always love seeing them in films. Yeah, yeah. Brian Thompson's quite funny in this, actually. He's pretty good in it, I thought. Yeah. 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 Playing a dumb meatball kind sure. of guy. But yeah, yeah he was he fine. Was um, and Annie Potts, I think, is really good as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not surprising that you don't recognise her from Ghost no, Ghostbusters. No, no, to she's totally she's not playing her Ghostbusters different. character. Yeah. Yeah, but, re- but really good character actress. But with all of those guys, to say that, that this random guy who's not in hardly any scenes with them, yeah, would steal the the whole show is, Weird. is pretty damning, I think.
1: No, I, I agree. It's damning, and that's a director problem, if not a script problem. Weirdly, you're not getting like this. I think it was well written. I think the mm. dialogue was well written.
0: I in think places they... there was wit. I liked the um the singing twins. Yeah. Some of their, <laughs> yeah, I thought their
1: you would. Song
0: lyrics were quite good. That, that was one of my recastings. I thought you were good. And, could and play I wanted one more then. of that. I wanted, because yeah. that was the, albeit very hand, heavy handed, yeah. that was the satire about the church. Yeah. Of, of them basically telling your audience, yeah. their audience rather, t- telling the televangelist audience, we're ripping you off and you yeah. love it. That's basically what they're saying. They are. Give your money to Jesus. <laughs> I thought that you'd at
1: least say that the Stonewall character was good. I thought you'd like him.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. I here's the, here's my problem with it, and, yeah. I, and I think I have to be really, really fair in not condemning this film, but saying that it didn't work for me.
1: Yeah.
0: Is I think this is absolutely forgotten film, but it is yeah. one that I think has been <laughs> forgotten rightly because <laughs> it's of its time, and I think if I had seen this in the late eighties, the nineties on TV, yeah, yeah. I probably would have a fond recollection of it. Okay. There's nothing to offer a modern audience that doesn't have that fondness for it, because mm. so many films have come in the years since that handle this material with a much more biting level of satire. And yeah. this might seem like a strange comparison, yeah. but in the final act, I was kind of reminded of certain scenes from Natural Born Killers. That, that, that's not a strange comparison at all. I had the exact same thought. That's one right. of my notes. And Natural Born Killers stands up, in my opinion, and this this doesn't.
1: Well yeah because of the na because the tone they're pitching they can't they can't go that far they.
0: No. They can't be like uh, that. And, and it's and, interesting. And yeah I will just yeah. give them credit for going yeah. full yeah. fully out in the third yeah, act yeah. which they slightly spoiled with the twist at the very end. They they did um, a little because bit because I I kind of thought, "Oh, you actually have got something biting to say it." But I mean the comparison I would make would make in terms of the chaos of that yeah. that third act is something like um, Steven Spielberg's 1941. You know, like put the money on the screen, blow everything up, have all of your crazy characters converging on you know one central point. Yeah, and it is nuts. There's some pretty decent pyrotechnics work yeah, in yeah. this film. <laughs> it is nuts,
1: and it's not. The escalation sort of comes as a surprise, but also doesn't.
0: There is. The, it's the only way. You know, yes, you know as soon as you introduce those militia characters watching on TV that that's where it's, it's going like, to go. Because it's like,
1: it's similar kind of escalation as um, as The Wraith as well. Just the way that the explosions get bigger, the killings get bigger. Yeah, okay. yeah, And so, it's not meant to be taken seriously. If you take this seriously, it's going to be boring. It's going to be shit. I'm also surprised, but also relieved, to hear you make a classic Alex argument, which is, there are films that do this better, there are films that make this point better, therefore... It's shit which is an argument i make loads so many times like you didn't need a whole movie to make that point and it wasn't a point well made but the forgiving feature is it wasn't trying to stand up as some kind of serious expose piece i don't know but it was. then that's fine but then it yeah. wasn't funny enough no fair enough i did not laugh out loud once i'd, no. I'd say that and now, but i wasn't and bored that's the difference. I'm going
0: yeah. to say something that you might not like here. Okay,
1: that's fine man. Do you need a
0: preamble? I understand why Bill Paxton did this film because it would have been an early lead role for yeah, him. Yeah. He, I didn't think he was very good in it. I thought he was a bit miscast.
1: That's okay, man. <laughs> that's
0: okay. Yeah. Relax. Like, I don't think he was
1: the best thing about it at all. No. I mean, for all the love we have for Bill Paxton, that love is not based on his lead roles. Absolutely not. He's He's the scene stealer, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we love him. We love him for True Lies. We love him for even Predator 2, right? Sure. This is the first film that I've seen with Bill Paxton as a lead. And you've given me a list of films that I should watch with him.
0: Well, I'd be very happy to watch One False Move, which is a film we've talked about several times as having one of his greatest moments of acting in. And he is technically the lead in that, I think. What year is it? I think it's 1990.
1: Let's do it, man. Yeah, it's an excellent film. Let's do it. Paxton deserves it, man. He deserves it. And for those of you that don't know, our love for Bill Paxton (laughs) whilst that's to dedicate this podcast, he died during one of our last seasons, yeah, and we tried to do some kind of tribute to him i don 't think we did injustice justice at all, and that 's why I pushed to have this movie as a bonus episode, but otherwise, I take it completely, man like i'm surprised I was hopeful that we'd have a like a a fun laugh about this film, but I also understand that it 's easily one of those films that just either does or doesn't work, and the same way that race didn't work for me, yeah. I can see this didn't work for you, however. This is a thing that I, the more we do this, the more I think, like, how much of it with this kind of movie do you think is just down to your mood and the day? Like, because that certainly works for me. That's, that can happen. It can catch you on the right day. And it's like, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think seeing it on a slightly inferior quality copy doesn't help either. But either either way. Yeah. I mean, fair enough point. I, I just think this is the kind of film that you need to stumble across. Mm. rather than have any level of anticipation for. Yeah. And the level of anticipation I had for this film was when you found it on a list of 1988 movies, and I went and looked it up on IMDb, that it had more than six out of 10 on there. I was like, well. It has it to be the nostalgia we've got to watch it then. Yeah. We've got to watch it. It has yeah, to be people, people who've seen just, it early. Absolutely, they saw it on TV. I think you're right like, oh, about that. This has that. got some good guys in it. Yeah, know, yeah, it's got yeah, the yeah. guy from Clue and the guy from Aliens in it. And that chick from Clue, from, yeah. That chick from Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great.
1: I mean we're not we're not really disagreeing. Uh it's literally just a, our experience of the movie that's where we differ. So is it a recommendation though? I mean if you take everything we said and you want to watch something if you like the actors and you just want to see them in some of their early work then watch it. But otherwise you're not going to get much out of it really.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not a recommendation for me and and if you're outside of the US you'd really struggle to get your hands on this. Um, It was only because we had the additional time to get a copy of it that we were able to. I probably wouldn't make the effort myself, and I'd have to go probably two stars on this one. Fair enough. Yeah, I struggle to give it higher
1: than three. Um, It's only getting three because of my enjoyment, but I can see it's a two-star movie, for sure. Like, I wouldn't want to give it more.
0: And it didn't upset me. You know, it certainly didn't offend me or anything like that. And in fairness, it's not one of those films that starts bad and gets worse. It starts okay, yeah. and occasionally picks up in the third act, right? Yeah, that I yeah, do it's appreciate. Badly paced as I well. appreciate a descent into chaos in any film, yeah. So it, it certainly woke me up a bit towards the end. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. But I won't be watching it again. Honestly.
1: No, I did get the feeling that you were resenting <laughs> needing to watch it as well. It was that too? No,
0: I was looking forward to it, and I think I've 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 dug my own grave on that one. Right. Okay. Well, fair enough. That's part
1: of what we're doing here. Let's use the analogy we've all, we've often used. If cinema history, Ben, was a sofa, right? Mm. And you've got, like, on the sofa, you've got, like, your prized sort of possessions. Like, on the arm, you've got the remote. That's a really important part of sofa life, yeah? Sure. You might have a tablet there or a smartphone as well. Like, those are really yeah. important things. These are the gems, like... Crack pipe. Not on mine, but, you know, I can imagine there are lots of people who that's that's part of their sofa life. You know, you sit down on the sofa change falls out your pocket right yes you've, you've got your popcorn there like that's valuable for, for the sofa life too maybe it maybe like a fiver can slip out sometimes a lot of that stuff can slip down the, the sofa crack you know yeah I, I know people who have had to buy remotes again because they just lost it didn't even think to look down the sofa crack what have we found this year ben with past
0: the AMO? what do you think we found down there i think i I'm moving flat. I'm lifting the cushions off of the sofa. Yeah. And I see something. It's kind of pinkish brown. Right. It looks quite hard. Yeah. And I go and pick it up and I'm staring at it for ages to try and figure out what it is. What it used to be. Before I realise that it's a prawn that fell out of a sandwich and has been down there for six months. has gone hard. It doesn't even smell anymore. Yeah. It's certainly not edible and I can't use it as currency. When you originally picked it up, did you think it was a cashew? Thought so it was some kind of larvae (laughs) so gross (laughs) and when i realized it was a prawn i just dropped it in disgust and burnt my sofa
1: i just think this is a peanut it's not as gross as that but i think we found a peanut down the sofa crack of cinema history
0: so is it a peanut that's still in good enough shape that whether you go through with it or not (laughs) it would contemplate (laughs) someone giving it a little bite
1: that's what i'm saying that's my recommendation you could eat this peanut and not be sick but a different person with a dodgy
0: tummy might. There might actually be. But, sick. but it's not going to taste great. It, whereas it, whereas <laughs> an old prawn, you really don't want to put that thing anywhere near your, your no. If openings,
1: it, if it is an old prawn, then there's no way you could eat this peanut and and be okay. I, I think.
0: Deadly Pursuit, as I will refer to it, is a, it's a thriller. It's a violent action thriller that was directed by Roger Spotswood, who's gone on to make some pretty good films, actually, including a Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's still working today. And it stars Sidney Poitier after an 11-year absence from any film roles, Tom Berenger, the Chris Hemsworth of this day, Kirstie Alley... That's a fair comparison. And and an assortment of character actors in the shape of Clancy Brown, Andrew Robinson, Richard Mesa. Is Andrew Robinson the guy that gets into the basket with Kirstie Alley
1: when they're going across the ravine? No, that's Richard Mesa. Richard Mesa. I recognize him from a few things.
0: Yes. He's just a nice sort of cuddly looking guy, isn't he? Yeah. No, I can't really tell you who Andrew Robinson is without spoiling it. But he played Scorpio in the original Dirty Harry. This is... um, it's Kind of three films in one, but the the basic setup is that Sidney Poitier is an FBI investigator, he's an he's FBI man, and uh, he's called out one night to a strange break in at a jeweler's where the guy who owns the jeweler's has yeah. broken in to steal his own diamonds. Yeah, you see, like the robber has a key, he's not even just like breaking anything, and he's yeah. in his pajamas. Yeah, his pajamas. Anyway, he, he it turns out the reason he's stealing his own diamonds is because. His wife has been taken hostage by a very dangerous man and has demanded these diamonds. And we have this, I think, really incredible opening 10 minutes where the FBI descend on the house at night. Sidney Poitier opens up the lines of negotiation, shows that he is in control and knows what he's doing. And whoever is in the house with this guy's wife shows him, nope, I am just as capable and just as willful as you. He kills the maid in front of everyone and he manages to get past the sharpshooters that surround the house by emerging from the house with the hostage in a duvet. They're both covered by a duvet. And they get into a car yeah. and they have a merry chase around town. They make it to the docks and he kills the wife. And that's the bit that first shocks you is yeah. he, actually he actually killed, killed the hostage. The- he shoots you yeah, exactly. in the eye yeah. and makes it away with the, well, not with the diamonds. He hasn't had a chance to pick them up, yeah. but he makes it away.
1: So we learn, we learn in the early scenes not only is this guy super clever he's a he's a murderer he's he's not he's not going to hesitate to kill to um exactly to get away with this and the way he does it the way he kills like the first first murder second and the third murder i guess you just see he's got this kind of he seems to have a fetish for shooting people in the eye Uh, not necessarily sexual but it's just like it seems to be like his calling, card. calling card. Yeah. yeah
0: he's a, he's a serial killer and Poitiers puts it together very quickly he does After he shot the the maid he's like this guy has killed before because he found it too easy
1: I need to say that opening hostage sequence that entire sequence yeah the moment Poitiers comes on the scene the way yeah. he questions a diamond dealer the way yeah. he he's handling himself there uh, at the um when he actually gets to the diamond dealer's house
0: yeah the way he starts the negotiation the way that the, the moment that I love yeah. is when he's talking to the, the hostage taker. He's talking to yeah. him yeah, and uh, he establishes who he is. And then before he goes any further, as soon as he's got the guy on the line, he just shields the mic and goes, hit the lights. and The whole place lights yeah, it up. Really like, cool. yeah. It's really cool. It's one of those great character moments of this guy's done this a lot of times. He knows the playbook. He knows how to establish control
1: yeah sorry continue no no not at all that's exactly right and then his opening line is something along the line i didn't quote exactly but something along the lines of this is what's going to happen i'm going to give you some instructions if you follow them nothing will happen to you and then the hostage taker basically says the same thing back to him in his own language okay i'm going to send the maid out with a message yeah and then shoot (laughs) her. and it's like did you get the message yeah i'm in charge here you're not and and it's, it sets up the dynamic between these two characters really early. And this is what I want to say really early. This is, an, this is a really excellent script, if not excellently directed. I think it's both. It's a really tight thriller. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, and it I really, really like this movie. It is high up. I mean, this competes with a lot of the films that we've reviewed for me. This is exactly the kind of film that I, I want to watch when it comes to sort of action or thrillers. This is a film worth taking seriously. Um, It's also funny in the right parts as yeah, well. Yeah, totally. It gets that, that beat really well. Uh, and I hope it's not weird to say, but it's something that the Marvel movies have done very consistently, uh, a really good balance between action and humor. And yeah. I don't think there are many films that actually can do that well. It can feel out of place, the humor, uh, to break up the action. And the tension. But then it really adds, like when the tension is there, to be like, oh my God, we're here now. Okay. We had this nice little moment between these characters and it's here. The chemistry between Berenger and Poitier is, they're perfectly cast as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. So so what happens is yeah. they, they, they find out pretty quickly, the FBI, that this murderer has escaped into the mountains and is with a group that's out of contact because this is the late 80s. So they're being led by a tour guide, which is Kirsty Alley, and there's a group of five men, and we don't know what the killer looks like. So we have a little whodunit. Yeah, it is a whodunit. Five guys, yeah, yeah, with Kirsty Alley. Yeah, yeah. And there's a really nice touch in there because I mentioned that Andrew Robinson had played Scorpio in Dirty Harry. Yeah, nearly all of those guys have played bad guys in movies before.
1: I didn't realise that. That's so smart.
0: Yeah, so you're looking at them all, and you're all going, "Well, you all seem a bit dodgy. Which one of you is the killer?" Yeah. So you've got. At the same time, Tom Berenger, who's like mountain man, yeah, he's the Sylvester Stallone character from Cliffhanger, mm. and he's taking uh, city boy Sidney Poitier, who's unprepared for a trek into the mountains, up to try and find this killer before so he kills him. Still stubborn again. as hell, and he's going to make a go of it. But he's out of his element. He is out and, of his and element. And that, that's what's sure. really cool. And they switch yeah. that back later on in the film as well. They,
1: they switch it back, but there is a there is
0: an interesting back and forth between them throughout. Yeah, 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 Totally. Oh, Sydney Poitier, he's been around the block a bunch of times. And he, and he says this to Tom Berenger. He's like, I've been doing this for 25 years. That's one of my favourite scenes when he just like, he's pinning him down.
1: Because it's Tom, Tom Berenger's wife. We haven't said that yet. That's who Castelli is. And, and even Tom Berenger makes a point of it, saying it's going to make it harder. Because the guide that he's been given is in love with this person who's, you know. So it's like, not only does he have a guide who's going to be a bit of a hard ass with him. He's also the woman who's in danger is yeah. is somebody he's in love with. So it's going to make it more difficult to control him. But that's the whole point is that Poitiers, the way he kind of schools him, he schools Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger is a kind of like macho outdoors guy. But he says to him, I'm qualified to do this. You're not. How many people have you killed? Like, you might be good with the outdoors. I'm good at taking people down. Like, I'll take you down. Yeah. If I have to, like I've, I've done this a lot of times and he lists off like his CV basically. And Tom Berger kind of goes, uh, yeah, okay, fine. I, I kind of need you too, right, to take down this guy. So he decides he has to do it together. They have to do
0: it together. So you've got, you've got this kind of wilderness survival film with, with those two as they're a couple of days behind the, the group that's making it through the mountains. One of whom is a killer and one of whom yeah. is Tom Beringer's lover you've also then got this who who done it let's say playing yeah. out with those guys yeah once it's revealed who done it which we'll talk about in spoilers you then get this kind of serial killer hostage film at the same time yeah. with those guys yeah yeah and then it turns into a, a bit of a chase film so you've got elements of cliffhanger you've got elements of um the gray yeah which I know yeah. is a film that you and I both love yeah um but structurally, the film, going back to what you were saying about how it's, it's a good mixture of sort of a tough action film and the, those moments of levity, there's great mm-hmm. stunts in this film as well. I agree. It, it's the kind of film that I would compare to Speed. And then that mm-hmm. might seem like a strange comparison, weird, but yeah. it has this, this, this long central section where the concept has been established and you're watching the action play out mm-hmm. but on the beginning of it you've got a standalone really tight little action film in those first 15 minutes yeah and then and then again at the end which yeah. is kind of how speed works and i think it's just one of those films that's really tight it, it moves along so well mm-hmm. and genuinely even when you know who the killer is it's not clear how this is going to end no that's what i like about it yeah and i think it's really satisfying how it ends
1: i agree it yes it doesn't I'm, drop the ball once i'm glad you're saying it, it- doesn't drop the wall once. There's a tiny part where it felt a bit long. And then just as I was thinking it felt long, I was like, okay, they pick it up again. And it's when I felt like I've had enough of them being in the wilderness. That's exactly when they get out of the wilderness. And it changes back to Sidney Poitier's element. That's not spoiling anything necessarily. You know they're going to get out at some point. You just don't know. It's like, it's just one of those things where it's like, again, third act or, or last 20 minutes. It's like, oh my
0: God, what are they going to do now? like yeah. that kind of thing. And it feels organic the way that it yeah, shifts. all It, does. it, it sounds it, like I'm talking about wild shifts in tone but it's not. No, it's no, no. It's very organic. It feels very much of a whole. It's And having those moments where Beringer and Poitier face off and they both have valid points to make. The same thing happens with Kirstie Alley and The Killer. Yeah. The same thing happens with The Killer and Sidney Poitiers. There's just this you're right it's a good script mm-hmm. every time you think well this is a bit silly isn't it mm-hmm. it gives you a reason or yeah. it justifies that's it.
1: It. it that's it as well you don't there's only one thing that doesn't make sense and i'll get to that and i think it's probably best to leave it till
0: spoilers oh well i've got one thing that doesn't make any sense go on. That i can say without spoiling go on there's um, You know that I have a, a pretty strong fear of heights. So any time you have a vertiginous sequence mm-hmm. of people on a precarious yeah, rope, yeah. bridge or something going over a ravine, mm. um, yeah, I get extremely nervous. And right. uh, Those scenes always work for me. And I think that there are two, I don't know what you would call that contraption. It's like a, a cable car for yeah. one or two people. That's that it. You manually pull yourself across on rather than motorize. Both of those sequences work brilliantly for me. Yeah, but when Beringer goes across, right, uh, it's been tampered with. It breaks. He swings. It's a it's a brilliant stunt. This this guy like swinging hundreds of feet down into a ravine, yeah, yeah, and then the rope goes taut, and you hear this. Whoosh! Yeah, right. He's definitely a spinal case at that point, if not dead. Yeah, very unlikely he survive that. But yeah. then seconds later, flies head first at speed into a rock face. Yeah. So he's definitely dead at that point. Yeah. And he makes it out of that not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the big jump the shark moment for me. Is Tom Berenger is dead two different ways in that sequence.
1: There's another sequence later on where it's like he definitely would have been concussed as well, but no, not even blow oh, the the rock. The rock to the head, yeah. yeah. And it's like <laughs> I, just, I don't know it. Like it, but again they they're good at like shifting the pace and not making it relentless either. You know, yeah. I like I like that that scene with the bear. You know, where they encounter a bear and yeah. Cindy Poitier scares it away. And
0: I like the scene with the moose as well. That's a really great bit of comedy. Little,
1: yeah, see the moose. Yeah, did you see the moose? It's like, but the chemistry again between them. I think it's one of the best buddy things I, I've seen in a really long time. I, I think
0: it's one of Behringer's best performances as well. He's not a, a particularly complex actor let's say, he's very handsome at this time. Yeah, um, he was crushing on him. And you, and you him, believe yeah. him as the grisly man, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've seen him in a couple of films. I'm thinking of something like Somebody to Watch Over Me, mm. where he's really just been cast for the way he looks. I think he's quite good in this. And and I think a lot of that is you're acting against Sidney Poitier. He's going to raise your game for you, isn't he?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, it's just such a presence on sc- on screen. Like I, Again, anyone who doesn't have a crush on e- either of these guys they're so charismatic, and yet they weren't the complete action. Neither of them were the complete action hero that can do everything. They both played to their strengths. They both met each other's weaknesses, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think you cannot underestimate You cannot underestimate how important casting Poitier in that role is. He brings so much gravity, experience, and humor to that part. Yep. But actually, regardless of how good the rest of the film is, take him out. It really suffers.
1: Uh, I agree 100%. And even some of the other actors, although they hold their own in their parts, he's an anchor for it. There's something about when Sidney Poitier is on screen. He's just on screen. It's so like, you feel safe. Even when he's being silly or even when he doesn't know what he's doing, his the fortitude of will that his character shows is like, you know you're fine. Even when he's, you see he's suffering or struggling to get on the horse or to climb the mountain or to whatever it is he's doing – you know he's gonna do it Any, You know he's not gonna give up. You know he's just like you still feel safe. It's interesting. Tom Berenger feels more like a loose cannon. When he's upset or he's angry, you know that it could be slightly out of control. He'll do anything to save his wife, right? Mm. But Sidney Poitier will do anything to catch his guy, but he's not out of control.
0: Yeah, and, and I think what's really nice in their dynamic is that he knows he can't do he can't do it the Tom Berenger way. And that's exemplified by sending the horse away. Yeah, he's trying to make the horse go. He's slapping it. He's saying it different words, and he just goes, Well, I've got a gun. He yeah. fires the gun. The horse goes off, and he just looks at Tom Berenger like it worked. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's yeah. the same when he's he's determined to climb the mountain, like mm. actually climb a rock face. And Berenger realizes when he's almost at the summit. I love like, that oh, scene. Jesus, this fucking guy stuff. I laughed hard in that scene. So funny, it was really funny. When he just, I'm yeah. ready.
1: Or yeah. Whatever, <laughs> <I> go. <laughs> no, but also to Tom Berenger the way he's just like he gives up. He's like. I can't argue with you all day, man. He really can't drag him along. Like Sydney Poitier is cold, tired. He's He's injured, kind of, but not. And he, and he. Tom Barron. The smart thing to do is say, "Wait here. I'm going to climb over the mountain. I'm going to go get this guy. I'll get to safety, and I'll send someone to come get you." But also, I think Tom Barron just sort of unreasonably trying to leave him behind because he just wants to go and save his girlfriend. But Sydney Poitier's is like, "I can keep going." Tom Barron just says, "All right, you big-headed bastard. I can't argue with you all day." Tie around your waist and I'll pull you up. And he's shouting down to him, like down this crevice or something. He ties up around his waist and whatever, and he's like and he just puts his hands up and goes, Come on then, like pull me up. I found it really funny. It's that for
0: me is evidence of just their chemistry as actors. I think what's great about it is you're pulling for both of them. You want Tom Berenger to help Sidney Poitier. You want Sidney Poitier to get up there and get his man. Sure you do. Yeah. Right? So as much as they come into conflict with one another, you really, really want them to just work it out and work together. Yeah. A bit like Enemy Mine, you could say.
1: I was going to make the comparison. I was, but it's not really a fair comparison.
0: And I, I think the, the really interesting scene that didn't really need to be there, but it adds so much to Beringer's character especially, is when Poitier is coming down with hypothermia. Yeah, the body heat scene. Yeah, Berenger literally lies on top of him and shares his body heat with him and, and rubs him. Yeah, yeah, he's doing everything to yeah. save this guy. It's really funny. It's, a, as a, it's well. a very strange scene. It's a scene today that I think you would laugh at. Maybe at the time you might have laughed at. I don't know. But I took it quite. I took it seriously. It was good. No, no, absolutely. I, I, I think it's a great scene.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's and it is really important for character. It is. But even Tom Berenger does make a joke to it. He speaks to that and he says, "Well, you know what? You know what they say about." Us <laughs> country boys, That's right, yeah. you know, and and Sidney Poitier looks genuinely scared because, yeah. and he's saying it as he's like rubbing his hands tenderly, you know, yeah, you stink. Do I smell like that? And then when they wake up in the morning, he says, You look worse than when I saw my dead grandfather in the coffin three days after he was dead, or something. Yeah, but I agree with your point that Sidney Poitier holds the film together. I don't think the film's nothing without him. I'm not sure who could have held it. No,
0: it's not that. It's just that it really, really elevates it. And I and see. I think, I think
1: you could have recast it. It does elevate it, without a doubt. Sidney Poitier plays the role really well, but I think you could have recast Poitier with someone like Dustin Hoffman at this time.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, though, isn't it? That you know Denzel was too young to do it. No, no. Yeah. Eddie Murphy was wrong. Yeah, you know there's, there's very few black actors that you could have got in that role. Yeah. And the fact that of his ethnicity is never, ever mentioned once. Yeah, so oh, actually, no, it is. Gone? No, it is. Race. Yeah, race is mentioned. In the bear scene. Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. it. It's <laughs> a great it's, line. It's a great line. Gone. Sydney Poitier manages to scare off a grizzly bear, a big grizzly bear. I'm not sure there's any other kind, that is <laughs> chasing them down. And even Beringer's shitting it and they're running away. Beringer falls over and hits his head. Poitier's on his own and he. He does that thing where he makes himself bigger and he makes lots of noises. Yeah, and I'm and scares, not really sure that that
1: works. Actually, scares the bear off.
0: Well, there's different schools of thought on this, but sure, I'm not going to test them. Nope, me neither. I would have fired every bullet I had <laughs> yeah, at yeah it. at its face. But um, yeah, Baron just sort of gets up and, and says, "I don't know how you did that." And Poitier says, "Everyone else around here acts like they've never seen a black man. Why would
1: a bear, Why would a bear, be, any bear different? be any different?
0: Yeah." yeah. That's nice. But yes, I think if you take Poitiers out, you have to have someone like Clint Eastwood or someone like that in the role. Well, the, the reason role, I, I
1: picked Dustin Hoffman is because he's believable. He's got that gravitas. And you also then would think he's also would play a city boy well who can't handle himself in the wilderness. You'd, it would be a very different chemistry, but I think it would work. But I wouldn't want to recast Sidney Poitier. Fucking hell, man.
0: No, like he's, he's so he's absolutely, absolutely perfect. He's absolutely brilliant. You know? yeah. And I think I would really like Kirsty Alley in the role as well. Yeah, she, she um... does it really well.
1: I, lo- I actually really love it. I really like this line. It's like talking about the fact that she's out there with these men. It could almost be threatening. He asks, like, does, how does your boyfriend feel about you being out here with the five of us? And that's the kind of, you know, punching it home. If you haven't got it already, that one of them is could be the yeah. killer, then he's basically saying that. And she says, it's not really up to him, is it? I've always been pretty good at taking care of myself. And it's a line that's, you know, on the nose character statement about her, but it works. But also the whole way she is with them, with that group of guys, you can, they're clearly city guys that can't handle themselves out there. And this is her job. This is what she does. She takes people out on these treks in the wilderness. And it's a pretty expansive wilderness, actually. I don't think that a lot of people get their head around how large, how massive it is. you know the treks are in terms of days or a week and they keep saying well we could go this way but it's going to add a day to our journey it's like we really lose sense of like fathoming that she's really nice to them she doesn't shame them at all or treat them like they're being stupid wimpy men she doesn't make jibes at the fact that they're wimps and that they can't handle themselves she does her job well and she understands that actually they're just scared and she's reassuring them all the time come on guys you can do it we don't have to do it this way we can do it an easier way and that i don't think you'd get that nowadays i think the part would have been written in a way to put down
0: the the men and shame them possibly i think certainly And it would have been funny like let's shame the guys you know the feminist angle would be played up more and i think it's nice it's a good bit of casting Kirsty Alley, because obviously yeah. she's very beautiful but she you do really she she looks like the sort of person who can hold her own yeah trekking through the mountains for days, yeah. there's a kind of maturity and fierceness to her. Agreed. Um, she's not just pretty. Yeah, anyway. I think to talk about any of the other actors in the film, we have to move into spoilers. So before we do that though, This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Maybe we have maybe we have to save the Paxton factor for spoilers even. I don't know. What do you think? No, man. we don't I have could to see Paxton it. in the Beringer role. Oh really? Yeah. Mountain man,
1: sure. That that's a very generous casting i think what, what i don't think he'd for? be better than Berenger.
0: how about the sniper in the back of the car at the beginning uh,
1: totally definitely easily okay. yes he could easily be that guy he could have been any one of the five there guys isn't the killer that, that isn't the killer as well yeah, that's okay, why you want to say easy. Yeah. easily any one of the five guys he'd been fine it, it would have been nice to see seen him in any of those roles Except the
0: person that is revealed to be the killer, in my opinion. Yeah. Game over, man. It's game over.
1: I think that this script is much cleverer than we see on screen. I think a lot more thought went into this than is immediately revealed. And I think you've got to read into it a little bit. There's a sequence right near the beginning when the whole case sort of picks up. is talking to his captain. I know the speech, Charlie. I wrote it. No, not that bit. Well, that's that okay. bit. It's that part, right? All right. But then um, as they're talking, there's a poster. The camera pans a little bit. They walk out. They're walking out of the office. The camera pans a little bit, and they stop to talk. And there's a poster on the wall that's clearly meant to be in shot. And it's a picture of two guys playing chess. And there's some text on the poster. And it says, espionage is a series of slow, calculated moves. Report all moves against you. I thought that was really important because they're in the FBI and although it's not necessarily like, it's not a spy agency necessarily, it is detection. It is, yeah. there would be espionage involved. There is like investigation. Sure. And so it just, it says a lot about the writer. It could have just been like a happy coincidence that an art director got that poster, but it works that that's on screen. It says a lot about the pace of the movie, that there's a series of small moves being made uh, actually against the hostage taker that Sidney Poitier is learning more and more about him and it gives him the confidence right at the end to act in a way that he couldn't act earlier on. Spoilers. Hang on. Rate it. Uh this is a solid four stars yeah. edging towards a five. It can't quite get the five for reasons that I think I'll talk about after spoilers, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't really think this is this is a film that is ever gonna be a five star. It doesn't have the the high concept and really high production values of something like Speed. But I think as a as a film in the vein of something like Cliffhanger or The Edge even, right. I think it's every bit as good, if not better, than those movies. Yeah. It's not as good as The Grey. Um, the so yeah, really Grey is a five-star five movie, solid five It's a really star solid four-star movie, this. It is, this is. Bear in mind, it's not one of those cheesy 80s action films. This okay. is a, a tight-as-a-drum thriller with some good action-slash-stunt-slash-tension scenes in yes and i'm really really satisfied to go back to a film that i first saw 30 years ago and see that it is every bit as scary in places yeah and fulfilling as it was when i first saw it yeah and if you do want to track it down unfortunately it's not on any of the digital services over here yeah. um i don't think it even on DVD. has a blu-ray release yeah uh yeah you have to get it on dvd but that's cheap. it's cheap. Was it? Oh, two it was or three five quid. Pounds. Yeah. yeah, five pounds. Yeah.
1: So, and I, I' worth it. I'm, I'm happy. I have a DVD
0: copy of this. Beware, listener! Spoilers lie within. So, I worked it out, man. I worked it out. I I don't think it's too hard to work it out. But they did a pretty good job of making you suspicious of a couple of the different guys. But it's only because I didn't know about the
1: other guys and their roles in other movies that I worked it out. Because Clancy Brown is is the most famous of that group, isn't he? That's, I think, why. But I was wondering, was he famous even at that time? Well, he'd done Highlander. Yeah, I think that's why. I mean, I think I worked it out just
0: because it's... Clancy Brown that is why he's the youngest of the group he certainly looks the toughest of the group he's a big guy as well and they tried really hard to soften his image they by did making him kind of dopey now, you see here's the, the thing I don't hair. get
1: when he kills the guy he takes someone's place in the group now no one in the group knows they don't know each other they're all there as part of a group but they're all there on their own yeah so he's had to he's taken the place of someone he arrives at like the meeting spot you know before they go off he's he's made his escape he's in this in this getaway car we kind of see that he's got long hair and one of the clues that Sidney Poitier gets he kills this guy drags him away somewhere one of the clues is by that body he's stolen his clothes and everything is some hair but it's burnt hair Mm. so the way that Clancy Brown cuts his hair seemingly because he doesn't have scissors available which is weird because you'd assume the guy would have a knife or something in his pack is he burnt his hair
0: well I thought a hot knife maybe yeah maybe that's it or he cut it and then tried to burn the hair to get rid of the evidence, and he missed some. Ah, that
1: makes sense. He cuts his hair and
0: burns it to get rid of the evidence. So
1: that was what I was thinking. Like he doesn't look like a guy who's burnt his hair off, but he's clean
0: shaven. I had a thought watching this. So there's a there's a, a sequence that traumatized me as a child when it is revealed that Clancy Brown is the killer because a guy slips yeah off the off the rock face and he's right. helping him up and his gun falls out and they, there's a nice. There is a nice little interplay for about 30 seconds there where he says, I'm a cop, okay? And you think, oh, he could actually be a cop hunting down this guy. But yeah, doesn't for a second. But it doesn't make sense because Sidney Poitier is hunting down this guy. Yeah. But it's a good ploy. He helps the guy up just to get his gun back and then he just lets him go. And this guy yeah. falls. And a real stuntman really fell down that ravine. It's not a dummy. It's a guy flailing all the way down. And then one by one, he kicks or taunts all of the other men in the group off right. the Mountain Face. Right. Now, I had a thought there. Yeah. Is this film responsible for my incredible fear of heights? I'm almost certain, yes. It's very possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that
1: is quite harrowing. And it's brutal as well. Normally, I totally expect him to like start killing them one by one. Like a Cabin in the Woods style kind of thing. Right. Right. Yes. He doesn't. It's brutal. There are four other guys... In the group, other than him, this one guy slips and falls. He's like, okay, this is my chance to start picking them off. And he gets the guy to pass him up his gun and then helps him up and then drops him, lets him fall. Now, the other guys come running back because they hear him screaming. And he could totally have just played it like, oh, my God, he fell down, whatever. That's what you expect. That's totally what you expect, isn't it? No. Pushes another one off straight away, like instantly. Another two, right? Yeah. Kirstie like, what the fuck? and he's pointing a gun at another guy he just says jump so he, he just made a decision there and then i'm killing all these guys now this is the and good this is the spot but exactly that's why it's so clever it's such a good piece of character writing because he's like yeah i'm gonna kill them all because they're gonna be in my way they're gonna annoy me they're not gonna help me get out of here any quicker no, and they're gonna try and stop me and yeah if i played it like oh no what happened the whole trip would have been called off they would have called in, like, some rescue people. They would have got the body out. They would have all gone home. And then he would be questioned yeah. and maybe caught or detained. It would It's the only way he could have played it, right? It was so smart because it's so surprising. And so, yeah, man, not only did one guy fall off and die early in your childhood and you had this fear of heights, four people were killed straight away. Like, you saw... A, a mass murder <laughs> to do with heights and being pushed off of heights yeah. yeah i'm not surprised man that you developed a fear of heights scene that uh, young
0: it's possible i don't think it helped i would say at least that much
1: no a fear of heights but also a love of brunettes maybe too because of <laughs> <Alley>. <laughs>
0: well that's indisputable yeah. yeah no it's it's a very very slick and effective sequence that i, I can't really add any more to to what you've said there so then that section of the film, the mountain hiking with Kirstie Alley yeah. section of the film, turns into a tormentor-tormentee relationship between those yeah. two. And it's
1: 55 minutes in as well. We're an hour in. And although it, it, it doesn't feel
0: that long, it feels like they've revealed who the, who the killer is early. Yeah. You really only have that, that rope sequence with all of the guys while you're trying to figure it out. But what I like in the, in the Beringer and Poitiers do catch up to them Just as they are escaping, basically, hitchhiking in a a log lorry or something. And so they just get away. So we're out of the woods Mm -hmm. and they rush hour it. So now Mountain Man has to do things the city slicker way with Sidney Poitier. It's good. And it's, it's this really nice, effective chase. There's some really good, like, does feel like bits from a spy movie, like staking out the park with the fountain or the zoo, whatever it is. And... Poitier working out where he is and then racing for the ferries. And just before they get on the ferry, it's, again, going back to what you were saying about seeding the idea of Poitier always thinking that one little step ahead. Yeah. He stops and goes, he's not on this one. It's a distraction. Mm. They're on that one. Yeah, it's great. And I really like the final shootout, actually. Me too. It's genuinely tense. It's
1: reminiscent in in terms of cleverness of the one with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx in a taxi collateral and the hostage sequence at the beginning like this reminds me of so many films we've we've quite, we've had to reference so many films to say this i think it's the smartest written hostage sequence that i've seen
0: since inside man yeah but i mean even clancy brown like in the middle of a shootout mm-hmm. you know he's pinned down quatier's mm-hmm. trying to get this shot off he's hiding behind this like bulkhead on mm-hmm. a on a ferry and there's a woman with her kid they're both quivering they're both terrified Two kids in fact. And he tries to turn on the charm again. He's going, No, come here, come here. I won't hurt I won't hurt you. He's trying to get another hostage. Yeah. And it goes back to what we were saying of like, Clancy Brown never goes full fucking psycho in this film. No. You know he's a psycho. Yes. You see it, but he still plays it like a person. That's
1: that's what makes this okay and believable. We don't see like a shrine. Or something to the victims he's killed yeah. and all that shit yeah. that we were joking about on um about Saigon or Off Limits yeah. so yeah I, and I like that about him I like the way that Clancy Brown plays this character
0: he's just got a really calm presence to him and, yeah. and, and I mean probably I always refer to Highlander but probably his most famous film that he's been in is Shawshank he's the yeah. he's the horrible prison guard in Shawshank he's absolutely a sadist in that film but he doesn't play it yeah. huge and broad he plays it yeah. as someone in control yeah. exploiting the fact that he has power over these people right. and that's exactly how he plays it here yeah so they're equals uh,
1: Poitiers and him like the, he's a nemesis of his yeah. and I really like they didn't play the angle of like I've been trying to catch this guy for yeah, 40 yeah, exactly. years it's like it's no. gonna kill my wife yeah they just <laughs> he just pops up and he like they, they didn't need that because it's it's literally just a battle of wits and without Tom Berenger, Sidney Poitier's wits, he'd be completely defeated. They say so need Tom Berenger. Here's where it falls down for me, and this is why it doesn't get five stars. It's that I just didn't buy that Tom Berenger would continue running around with Sidney Poitier. I know they're in Canada. I know they're outside the jurisdiction. I know that mm. the Canadian police have kind of basically said they are FBI. They would have given them some leeway, all this kind of stuff. But Tom Berenger's not FBI. There's no way Tom Berenger would be allowed to continue running around the city. I agree. Like, and and it, they didn't explain it in any way or
0: That is a logic hole. Just one line of he dialogue be would have been like, Well, he should be really just kept with the FBI agents while Poitiers and his team get on with this. Yeah. Uh he yeah, you're right. He shouldn't be running around with him. However, I think what pulls it back yeah. for me, it is it is a it's a hole, definitely. When Poitiers gets shot multiple times. Yeah, that's so um and still tries to get his man. Yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't Beringer picking up a gun and shooting the bad guy. Yes. Poitiers still finishes off the bad yes. guy. Beringer saves Poitiers. Yeah, that's, that's important. The right way for it to Agreed. Finish. Agreed. Yeah.
1: And I, I totally agree. And it's also right that Poitiers back in nature in the elements and yeah. that Beringer saves him from nature again. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's quite poetic water, it? in yeah. that sense, and like with with all of his smarts, Poite can't beat nature, but neither can Clancy Brown. You can see him being defeated by it, and it's both Kirstielli's and Tom Barringer's savvy around nature, around the natural elements, of the environment that they're in, that help them. Kirstielli with the fire and stuff like that. It's going to smoke, and the way mm. she kind of taunts Clancy Brown of like fine we'll have
0: sushi then just eats the fish raw and because he puts it out because he doesn't want to smoke I love that scene great but I I wanted a scene of her descaling the fish because it's fine to eat the fish and, <laughs> yeah, the, and the flesh raw, but the fish scales I love stuff oh, like that it's gross. like it's like I love like when they
1: miss little details like that like it's like oh that would be gross or it would be horrible yeah but I'm, the fish that she eats actually looks kind of tasty when somebody brings like a tray of food and places it on a bed and then they sit on the bed. It's like, no, that orange juice would go everywhere. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> You know? And they don't... I, I can I can attest to that. Like, it's out of shot, you know? But it's like, yeah.
1: that doesn't work. It wouldn't happen. Like, yeah. there's little nuances they miss. But So I t- totally take your descaling the fish. But it's, I think there's this theme. This is what I was referring to earlier. I think there's a very clever script here. I think it's really well thought through. They don't labor any of the points, any of the allegory. But there's a lot in there that's just there.
0: Quite nicely. No, and and one of the things I really like about it is we don't get like vast, extensive backstory monologues or anything like that about people. There's a situation afoot as soon as the film starts. We're just we're off to the races. We're on rails, and we know enough about these people through their actions. Yeah, that's why it's a solid, solid script. That's where that is why it gets its four for sure. Yeah, why does it lose its point? Let's be just be really clear about this. Why does it not get a five? Well, for me, it's not a film about anything. It's 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 a technical exercise, you mm-hmm. know, a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. But you'd never hold it up with a five-star movie that has emotional resonance or a, a really complex point to say about right. anything, you know. It's an experience. It, not, in like any good action film, I was tense and I was nervous and I was excited and I yeah. was, you know, laughing a couple of times. But I wasn't on the brink of tears or going, oh, wow, hang on. I need to stop and think about that thing. And that's a five-star movie for me. You're right.
1: I think what would have also added to it was that there's a missed opportunity, even though they did really well. Like, I like the camera work in this. It would have been very interesting to see it shot nowadays with, like, 4K cameras and drones. Oh, absolutely. Shit like that. And I don't... Missed Opportunity is unfair. I think they did well shooting in the wilderness the way they did. There's something about nature being a character in this that doesn't quite come through. And that could be because of budget, because of timing, because of anything. But I bet you it's in the script.
0: Maybe. I mean, this is an 80s studio movie, so it's it's difficult to say. I I think we live in a very different climate now um, in terms of this kind of movie. And I think The Grey is a good comparison of a film that does the technical and character aspects of this film but does yeah. add that extra star because there's an incredible somber tone to that mm. film. And like you say, the the advances in camera work and things mm. like that may really show in a film like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. to anyone who hasn't seen The Grey, regardless of your feelings about Liam Neeson's recent comments, go and check it out. I think that is an absolutely stunning film. 100%. Agreed. And I don't think... It matters that it's a four-star. Just because we're giving it four stars, that doesn't mean it's not an excellent movie. Yeah, I think this is as good as a film like this can be. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't don't, mean to damn with thank praise. No, there. no, I, no. I mean that absolutely as a recommendation. So it's a four it's, and a half stars. You're changing your score, are you? Yeah, four and a half. It's it's four all the way through for me. It, okay. But it's a film I probably won't go back and watch again for another 10 years. No,
1: no, I don't think it needs an
0: immediate rewatch. It is what it is. I, oh, I'm really glad that you responded to it because... Yeah. Um, Is again, you know, just looking at the previous film that we discussed, it is the kind of film that if you hit it at the wrong time, you could be going, well, I've seen this. I've seen this film done better.
1: Yeah, and that's fair enough.
0: And we've made lots of comparisons to it, but I don't think you've quite seen it done this way. I agree. And I think for the time, there are a lot of films that are very fondly remembered that are not as good as this. And so this is exactly the kind of film that I have sought to find for this list right so going down the silver crack of cinema
1: history ben what have you yeah. found with daddy oh it's
0: easily a two pound coin
1: i agree i'm going as far as saying a fiver and i'm even going to go as far as saying even though i might rank another movie five stars yeah this is my favorite forgotten film so far yeah i understand what you're saying there yeah i was very excited to watch this i love thrillers and it fits so many it ticks so many boxes for me and regardless of whether or not I do eventually give a movie a five star rating, this is the, the top forgotten film so far.
0: Great. Yeah. What more is there to say? Not much. Good. Well, that was Past the Ammo and Deadly Pursuit. Wall Shoot to Kill. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with 1989. We will be. And until then, Alex, I guess that's it.
1: Forget about it.